Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. And now here's your host, Michael Fries. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. Before we dive into today's episode, we'd like to invite you to subscribe to Transport Topics, where you can receive exclusive access to our top 100 lists, quarterly magazines, and other news surrounding the trucking industry. To subscribe, visit TTNWS slash TT subscribe. You can also text TT subscribe to 571-622-0001 to become an official member of Transport Topics. That's 571-622-0001. In today's episode, we'll take a front row seat to view the future of the internal combustion engine, or as we refer to it as ICE. As EVs are rising in critical mass with the general public, it's easy to get caught in the new, while there's an opportunity to view the innovations of what we have already. During our last Transport Topics magazine event series, Spark, We've talked about the advances with the engine, as well as some inquiries about alternative fuels. Needless to say, there are some interesting perspectives. So for this episode, we'll ask the question, what is the future of ICE? To answer that question for this episode, we'll have Ryan Manthry, project leader at Shell Global Solutions, to talk about Shell's latest version of the Starship project later in the program. But to start things off, we have Michael Grahay, head of operations at Navistar. Here's our discussion. Michael, welcome to this very special edition of Road Science. Great having me. Thank you. Glad to have you. Um, I just want to go back in time. Uh, last year in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the middle of the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, uh, you uh, were on stage unveiling the, the S13 integrated powertrain. And the comment that you made, where I, I thought was uh, pretty profound, uh, the the best and last internal combustion engine international will make. Uh, that's what you had said about the S13 integrated powertrain. Um, you know, with that, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's a very bold statement. And, you know, as the, the company moves towards its goal of uh, zero emissions, you know, how does the, the, the powertrain align with that vision? Yeah. So coming from the, the Navistar uh, vision, where we say we want to accelerate the impact of sustainable mobility, we set ourselves a target that we want to have zero emission vehicles, 50% of new vehicles say zero emission vehicles by the year 2030, if the charging uh, capacity is available, which, which is a very bold goal, we think. But at the same time, it means 50% of our portfolio in 2030 will be still internal combustion engines. So for us uh, to have a highly efficient, reliable and sustainable combustion engine is a key. Uh, and this is why we are working on the S13 integrated powertrain 
to bring this really, even for this 50% remaining volume, uh, have a great solution. Um, and when you when when you are looking for for the technologies you uh, we are applying there, um, first of all, the big thing is that the S13 integrated powertrain has been designed with SCR as the base technology already from uh, the start. This helps us a lot of optimization. So, for example, we have no EGR cooler. Um, on the engine, so in a normal engine condition, 100% of the exhaust flows goes directly to the turbocharger. Um, we have a fixed geometry turbocharger, which helps to reduce complexity in the engine and increases reliability. Um, so we are really having put everything into the out of the toolbox available technologies into the S13 integrated to have a great solution for the long tail of the internal combustion engine, but being there reliable and also sustainable and meeting and even hopefully at some part over fulfilling emission regulations. You know, with that, you know, as you said, you know, that's a, a very ambitious goal of being 50 percent uh, by 2030. And, you know, six months, uh, six months from now, it'll be 2024. And, and that, that is just uh, six, six years away. Um, you know, are there any specific plans to incorporate things like, uh, you know, dual dosing systems or, you know, 48 volt systems for uh, catalyst heating into uh, Navistar's, uh, you know, future truck designs? So for, for, the, for the initial launch, which we are in the middle of, um, we don't have dual dosing of 48 volts. Now, uh, of course, as the requirements on the emission side continue and we are looking at different technologies, um, uh, how to meet also future emission regulations. Uh, we, are, we are still testing and investigating uh, they are the right solutions for the North American market. But one thing is clear. We always look there at, on one hand, the cost aspect. Um, so how can we be cost competitive for our customers? Um, how can we have the right performance? Because um, uh, being meeting tighter emission regulations um, uh, you, you want to still keep the right performance, but, and very important for us to have high reliability because, uh, for our customer uptime is the key issue. Um, uh, trucks have to be running, trucks have to be transporting goods. So the reliability is a key focus. Um, and for this future emission regulation, we have not fully decided yet which technology path we are going. We now have stability on the regulatory side, uh, looking forward with a 50 state, um, hopefully, uh, regulation from 2027. And we are now working together with our customers to have the right technical solutions for this. You know, with, with that, just in in the planning of you know these these upcoming you know, regulations, you know, you have the the advanced truck, advanced clean you know, trucking rule. Um, and you also you know, and also of course the 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 EPA um, rules that uh, that have been in effect recently, and, and the the NOx regulations that are still coming um, coming forth. Um, can you talk a little bit about? I mean, you, you kind of touched upon it in the beginning, um, but can you kind of go a little bit in detail just about balancing those those engineering efforts when, when it when it comes to those particular solutions and and how will that how will that look like? like you know, like you said, it's going to be you know twenty thirty you know, is that that timeline for your goal. So within that six year uh, period, how how is that? Uh, how are those efforts looking? The challenge, and I think every OEM has this at the moment, is that you basically have to work parallel on two technology streams for propulsion. 
agriculture. One is the zero emission and the other one is the internal combustion. Because as I explained before, the internal combustion is still quite a significant volume. So you don't want to let this just roll out. You also want to improve there, stay competitive there. Um, uh, let's say, and how, how are we doing this as Navistar? Uh, and I think we, we have, um, uh, let's say, several advantages. One is that the base engine, which we designed with the S13 integrated, um, is in the commercial vehicle industry, uh, one of the newest engine design from scratch. Uh, so it has a lot of capabilities that we meet future emission regulation without dramatically redesigning the engines. The second advantage that we have as Navistar is we are part of the Trayton Group. So we are part of a much bigger organization and we have full access to the portfolio of technologies and capacities, engineering capacities worldwide. So we can work together there in the group to have regional solutions, but also to share technologies to find regional solutions. And how we are doing this is in the, the, that's the, the third big advantage that we are working in the group in a, what we call trade and modular system. So in a trade and modular system, this means that we have a modular approach to technical solutions. And the principles behind it are very simple. The first one is same need, identical solution. The second one is well-balanced performance steps and standardized interfaces so that we can use different technology steps very clearly um, and using this on a global scale. And by this, we can balance our engineering effort on one hand, working on the zero emissions, and at the same time, working also at the internal combustion engines. You know, being part of the Trident Group, as you had just mentioned, and, and as you just said, you know, brings a, a wide array of, of ideas and, and, and upcoming innovations for your group. Um, and, and, and in doing that, you spoke about standardization. Um, has that been a, a problem in, in the manufacturing of, of just engines in general, but before, I, I guess we can call, I guess the, 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 the dying age of, of electric vehicles, vehicles was coming. And have you, uh, I mean, has that been a problem just, to, just in, the, uh, in the case of standardization of, of manufacturing, just kind of uh, um, you know, balancing those engineering efforts. Um, so for us, uh, can I say um, the approach is actually not standardization, but modularization. So the standardized interfaces um, and the well-balanced performance steps, we can actually have interchangeability of different modules, different components to come to solutions which fit our customer needs. So we can also always be very specific to the North American market and taking out of the modular system, the components, the systems which are required to be competitive here. And this is also helping us a lot to be efficient on the manufacturing side, because with the standardized interfaces, we can tailor our factories to these modules, these systems components, to put them together as little building blocks to come to a complete vehicle. So this is helping us very much of driving this transition and be competitive if we are even if we are working on two technology streams for propulsion at the same time, the zero emission and the internal combustion engine for the next few years. Thank you, Michael, for uh, 
for, for unwinding my confusion question. I, I, I guess I kind of just uh, mixed up standardization and, and modernization, you know, when, when it comes to this. You know, there are a lot of pieces and parts to that. So, you know, thank you for that. Um, let's let's go off to uh, let's let's switch to the you know to sustainability and, and the path to sustainability more specifically. And uh, just uh, you know, with that, you know, what will that look like in the next ten to twenty year period? You know, as uh, as of course, as you you touched upon, you know, fleets balance those those things such as uh, you know total cost of ownership and and you you have uh, you know spoke about it before you know. Um, Previously about infrastructure, you know how how does sustain, sustainability uh, look, uh, it, it, you know, for, for fleets? Yeah. So on, on on one hand, and that let's say the the easy part of this is that we are approaching the sustainability for the internal combustion engine to increase the efficiency and the performance of the S13 integrated powertrain, and this is also where fleets just can utilize this powertrain uh, over uh, for the future um, as it's so highly sustainable. That's that's the easy part. The other one is, of course, the, the moving into the zero emission side. And there, uh, the transition from our perspective, especially on the battery electric vehicle, will happen segment by segment over time. Um, and the main driver for this transition will be the total cost of ownership. So where is the tipping point where it makes, from a business perspective, for a customer more sense to use a battery electric vehicle instead of an internal combustion engine. And uh, let's say on a very high level, you can say it will start on the school buses and we are already in the sweet spot of TCO for school buses. It will then very soon come to the medium duty trucks um, where uh, you already see the first areas where the TCO is achieved and then it will come to the regional hall. Um, vehicles. From there, it will go on to the on-highway uh, long distribution trucks. This will maybe take a few years more, and then it will come to the severe service. Um, but it will be a transition driven by TCO, not by regulation. It's rather we need a stable regulatory environment to develop the technologies to meet the customer needs. Um, the biggest challenge, I would say, at the moment in this transition is the charging infrastructure. Uh, because you need infrastructure, and I'm not talking always about the public on-highway charging, but also customers have to install charging in their depots charging has to be stalled in certain destinations at warehouses so this will take some time it it, it is it, the the energy as as such overall is there it's maybe not always at the right place so there needs to be a lot of investment but all the support out there it's there we now just have to implement this and i would say we are working a lot with customers on this transition because what we learned so far is the customers who are looking at this, how they also modify their business model, how do they uh, adjust their transport system are most successful in this transition to zero emissions. Uh, the ones who just want to say, hey, instead of a diesel, I use a battery electric truck and run the same route and the same planning date, they struggle a little bit more. So it's a joint effort together. We are doing with our customers together, helping them to support, to help them find the right charging solutions, help them in deploying and managing this charging infrastructure. So this is where we are helping our customers and where we're working on very strongly at the moment. Well, Michael, it sounds like a, you know, there's a lot of pieces and parts, especially when you talk about infrastructure. And, you know, from the comments you just made, it sounds like it's, it's, it's somewhat of maybe an enthusiasm gap. And, and as you also mentioned, there's, you know, this, this transition is going to take time, you know, to, to relieve those pain points, 
and to speed up that particular process, what particular things would have to happen? Um, I, I think just everybody has to work together because it is it is not a simple question, hey, is there a battery electric truck available? I buy it and I run it. Um, suddenly the customer has to work with infrastructure providers, have to work with charging suppliers, have to work with new technologies where customers don't have really the long years of experience. A diesel engine, all the customers know it. They know the ins and outs of a diesel engine, how to run this. With battery electric, suddenly you have a new technology. But we, Navistar, are here to help. So we are offering services to our customers to help them to find the right partner. We have partners that we can also offer to our customers one-stop solutions. And when they say, hey, can you do this for me? So this is a transition we all have to learn. And now you can always take this example when the transport system in North America went from horses to trucks. There was also a lot of anxiety changes. How do we, what, 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 how, how, how should we build fueling station? But we have all the stables where you can feed the horses. So now we are in a similar situation, but looking back in history, the transition went quite well, went quite fast. And I'm predicting that it will also work here. And this is the strong, uh, the strength, I think, especially here in the North America, that now we are in an implementation mode. So that the question if is gone, it's just how, and everybody's working together now to implement this and to move forward. Well, it's 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 um, pretty particular. Uh, it's it's interesting that you know the discussions that we're having about the internal combustion engine versus electric vehicles it might be the same same uh, discussion that was had at that turn of the century when we were oh well when when the discussion was about horses versus uh you know fuel and cars so it's the uh you know the, the more things change the more things ultimately are staying the same um we've been speaking with michael rahe executive vice president of operations at navistar Michael, it was a pleasure having you on this very special episode of Road Signs. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Hello, Roadside listeners. Dan Ronan here from Transport Topics. I'm here to tell you about our new extended cuts of the Road Signs podcast. If you like what you learn here, I think you're going to really love this. So what is the Road Signs extended cut? Well, instead of ending the recording and saying our guest farewells, we're keeping our expert guests around for an extra one or two questions to gather a deeper, fuller picture of the influential topics in transportation. We capture that insight and convert it into a printable download that will help you navigate the latest trucking trends and guide your next business decision. Considering the easy, linkable, and printable format, you can keep the extended cut for your next big meeting, send it to your friends and colleagues, or pack it up for your next big conference. So how do you get the latest download? Well, it's real simple. Visit ttn.ws forward slash extended cut. That's ttn.ws forward slash extended cut. Hey, Road Signs listeners. It's your man, Mike Freeze, here to tell you that the call-in lines are open. What does that mean, you may ask? Isn't this a podcast, not a radio show? You're correct, but we found a new way that you can call in and leave myself or my co-host, Seth Clevenger, a message. Leave us a message on new topics you'd like to hear more about or ask questions you may have about the trucking industry. Give us a ring at ttn.ws forward slash speak pipe. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks for having me on, Mike. No, not a problem at all. Michelle, Starship. 
uh, 3.0. You know, it's, it's a 3.0, so it's the third iteration of that initiative. Could you uh, go back and just tell us about the beginnings of the Starship Project and some of uh, the initiatives that you set out to to achieve? Yeah, no problem. So, so the project itself, to understand the why, you got to understand where the sector sits right now in this whole decarbonization journey. Um, so transport as it stands now comes for about 35% of global energy usage. And of that, road freight transport is responsible for a third of that total. So this, if the sector is going to meet its emission abatement targets, transport is going to need to be a major focus area. Uh, and this is kind of where we launched the Starship initiative back in 2018. We, we intended it to be a, a material demonstration of how the industry can work together to to drive significant reductions in, in energy usage and and CO two emissions. You know, w- with that, um, you know, there's a lot of aspects of the of the Starship uh, that that seems very, very intriguing. You know, one of them is the you know the natural gas, of course, but there's also the let's start from the the NCAB, You know, to that to that most important aspect of of the driver and and, and how that will uh, gel well. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the the, the, the cab design? Yeah, so we the actual cab, the specific cab, aside from the, the the aerodynamic features on the exterior, if you look at the in-cab devices, we designed it to be very driver-centric. So, you know, safety features and um, improving operational efficiency is kind of top of mind. So features like the collision mitigation system that basically helps the driver avoid potential collisions. Um, we've replaced all the... Um, um, traditional mirrors uh, on the truck with digital cameras and heads-up displays. So you're, uh, you have a, basically a wider field uh, of view. We've eliminated those blind spots. So you've improved the safety during this, you know, kind of the tight uh, cornering maneuvers. Um, and then there's the uh, predictive cruise control. So we have this look ahead feature on the truck that basically analyzes the approaching terrain. It will automatically select the optimum gear and it'll adjust the speed of travel to provide basically your best fuel economy, right? So it'll set you up. Uh, and and that's, that's great because it takes into account, you know, the driver experience level, right? So whether you're a novice or an experienced driver, uh, it's, it's going to help you bridge that gap. You know, for, um, you know, just, you know, being inside of that particular cab, you know, the driver, you know, as you mentioned, is a very, you know, kind of off the shelf driver friendly cab that, that's in there. You know, I mean, you can have all the innovations that you can, but, you know, if the driver's not satisfied in that, you know, um, then it's, it, I mean, I wouldn't say go all the ways, but it, it would be slightly depressing. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but let's get into the technologies, uh, just the, the, the energy efficiency of, of the, of, of those particular technologies, as well as the, as, as well as the lubricants. Um, what were some of the um, improvements that you, um, worked upon uh, from the, the Starship 2.0 that, that is now in the 3.0? Uh, so, so the truck is designed around this concept of uh, freight ton efficiency. So this is the ability of the truck to move the maximum allowable payload using the least amount of energy. And to do that, uh, we've kind of structured basically around four key components of pillars. Um, the first of which is called, it's a concept called lightweighting. It's commonly used in the automotive industry where it's a means of building vehicles that are less heavy as a way of achieving better fuel economy. So in the context of what we're trying to do with Starship is, which is load as heavy as possible on, on, in terms of the freight carrying capacity, uh, the real savings from freight efficiency is found at a fleet level. So 
uh, we want to maximize amount, the amount of freight moved per gallon and basically overall reduce the number of individual trucks that are required for the fleet's operation. So with these class A trucks, they have, um, if you take a standard class A truck, it has a gross vehicle weight of about 80,000 pounds. Um, so that's inclusive of payload, tractor, and trailer. Therefore, if, if you want to go heavier on, on, on the payload, it means you have to remove as much weight of the trailer and tractor setup. So what we've done here is we've utilized lightweight components throughout the chassis, the powertrain, the driveline, and that even extends into the uh, into the aerodynamic package as well as the tire selection. You know, some of the, you know that I mean, you know, those innovations and, and advancements you made from the 2.0 to the 3.0, and especially when you were talking about just the the weight efficiency that that's um, that, that's a part of it. I mean, that's really. Um, you can really tell the difference in the, the fuel efficiency, I would guess, right? The second key pillar around which the truck is designed is around reducing opposing forces. And there's two significant forces on acting on the truck. Uh, the first is uh, rolling resistance. And basically, this is the force created by the repeating flexing of the tire sidewalls as it rotates under its load. So there's an energy loss there as the tire rolls through its footprint. Um, and basically what happens is ultimately the truck's engine has to overcome that energy loss. So you're burning more fuel. So for the tire selection, we're using low rolling resistance tires across both tractor and trailer. Uh, and these are basically spe specially formulated tire compounds that are more resistant to um, heat generation and you know, designed to minimize the tire deflection. And that, that's just one area because the tires play a huge part in that. The second, the second significant opposing force in the truck is around the aerodynamic drag. And, and that basically occurs when there's a force that's created by the air striking the front of the truck. And if it's not balanced by an equal and opposite force on pressing down on the rear of the trailer, then you get this drag. And depending on how, how big that gap is, the more significant the drag. So we get around that. If you look at Starship, you notice it's a very uh, custom cab that we're a very unique looking cab. So that's a lightweight aerodynamic carbon fiber cab that's uh, significantly lighter than your, your traditional box-shaped tractor on, on the road. Uh, alongside of the, if, if you go from the front to the back of the truck, uh, you have, just as you exit the cab, uh, the, the front of the cab from the, uh, you have these automatic gap sealers that basically deploy panels from the back of the cab to cover the trailer, tractor-trailer gap. And the purpose of that is when the truck is moving at highway speeds, we ensure there's smooth body, uh, body lines and then the airflow sticks to the or hugs the body of the truck as it transitions from the cab to the trailer. And then along the sides of the trailer, you have these full length side skirts and that's there to minimize the, the airflow underneath the truck. Um, and then just rounding it off at the end of the trailer, you have a custom bow tail and that's basically designed to reduce the drag. It's caused by the low pressure weight created behind the trailer um, as the air exits the rear of the truck. So all of these features working in unison, um, it, we, it reduces our, our coefficient of drag. We have, it sits around now, Starship has, about a, has a CFD of, of around 0.25, which is significantly lower than the average truck on the road, uh, which, which is around 0.6. So what it effectively means is, you know, Starship has an aerodynamic drag that's more than half that of the traditional truck on the road. And all these, these two factors, in addition to the weight stripping, have a significant impact on the fuel economy uh, of the truck.
Yeah, that's that's one thing I really would like to talk about. The, uh, you know, the, the fuel economy. You know, it's you know, um, you know, if you look at it at face value, you know, w w for some people, you know, they you know it's just compared to what the, you know they're driving. Of course, you know, it's it's a you know it's, it's you know it's a slight difference. Uh, but but however, you know, getting that fuel efficiency. And, and, and getting at the other, you know, advancements of the technology that you just mentioned, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that's what you were out to to achieve when you, you started the initiative. But but um, other than, you know, some some challenges you have faced, I mean, were, was there anything that was coming from left field when when you were doing these runs? Um, was, was there anything you know, unexpected, you know, good or bad? I think the most significant challenge we had um during the, even the build and the launch of the truck was was planning and executing a run in the midst of a pandemic because if we started the build in in in, uh, in towards the end of 2019 and COVID hit in 2020 and we basically continued with the build but you know having to operate in that bubble especially for the for the coast to coast run I think was very challenging for the for the team um, uh, you know in saying that though when I look back at it. Uh, although COVID just caused significant delays, um, in hindsight, uh, it probably helped us with 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 the uh, with the shakedown testing and the actual uh, road real world road test that we did on the truck because we then had more time to kind of fine tune our setup to dial the truck in to get a good feel for you know what what worked and what didn't before we actually attempted the run. Uh, so you know pros and cons to that, but uh, I think that was the most challenging challenging piece of world. And, you know, that that from the, the 2.0 2. runs, you know, we're, we're now at the 3.0 stage, um, you know, in, in which I had mentioned in the beginning, you know, the partnership with with, with Cummins and its uh, X-15 in engine. Um, could you tell me about just those those partnerships and how they're they've been helpful and how they will be helpful for for this uh, for this upgrade of the of the Starship? Yeah, so so obviously this is going to be the third iteration of the truck, uh, which is basically being developed under the. The project banner Starship 3.0. Uh, we did a soft launch at Act Expo in, in May this year. Um, in terms of, of the actual partnership, uh, this truck is going to be powered by Cummins X15 natural gas engine. Al along with other um, freight ton efficiency promoting technologies, I, I kind of gave you a feel for that earlier when I was talking through some of those, but uh, it will run on Shell renewable natural gas. Uh, which is currently commercially available, and we'll be utilizing Shell's Rotella low friction lubricants. So um, the build should be complete by the end of August, and we'll aim, aim to execute a demonstration run uh, around September this year. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, what are some of the things that you, you want to achieve with the 3.0 that you have not achieved with, with the other uh, iterations? Uh, well, it, the Starship platform is really there to to kind of evolve with the sector. And it, 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 it is meant to mirror the transition that's happening in the transport sector. So you saw with 20, in 2018 and 2019, uh, we were utilizing a, a diesel internal combustion engine to kind of showcase still the significant, you know, energy savings and emission reductions that could be had just by using uh, what's currently available. Where we sit today, because of the, the um, the infrastructure and not and the maintenance platform that's now available for natural gas vehicles, um, we're at a stage where it just made sense to transition to that. Um, not just from a from a total cost of ownership perspective, but also from an environmental standpoint. So you know, with 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 um, with renewable gas, uh, effectively because of the um, 
the um, the offset you get in terms of running with a with a much leaner, cleaner fuel, and the fact that you know with RNG, it's it's basically being produced from methane, and the methane is coming from the decomposition of of the agricultural food or waste or or um, you know wastewater essentially. Um, because of that, you're capturing all of that methane, you're redirecting it away from the environment, you're repurposing it as clean, green energy. And this is where that carbon neutral or that carbon negative claim comes from. And, and essentially, you know, natural gas is a, a pretty, pretty fungible fuel source. It can be, uh, you know, stored as a compressed natural gas or a liquefied natural gas. So it's a very versatile fuel. So in the context of Starship, this was a logical transition for us and, and the next step for, for uh, um, the project. Ryan, I have a few more questions for you. Uh, one of the things, I mean, you know, we had mentioned the partnership with, with Cummins, um, but also, you know, this, the Shell Renewable Natural Gas. Um, could you tell us more uh, about, you know, you know the, the work you've, you've done with that, with the Starship, as well as, as, well as other lubricants? So, at the, you know, we talk about freight ton efficiency being the guiding principle of Starship. So the engineering design choices and the technologies featured on the truck are an aid of this. Um, so at the heart of Starship, you have its powertrain, which features Cummins Next Generation 2020 X15 engine, and it's paired with an Eaton endurance transmission. And this serves as the heart of Starship. So effectively, then that makes the lubricant its lifeblood. And for the purposes of what we're trying to do, which is go as heavy as possible, in the highest gear using the lowest engine speed, you need a lubricant selection across the power chain and the, and the driveline that's going to withstand this kind of heavy duty cycle. Um, and in the engine, we have Shell's Rotella T6 Ultra 5W30 engine oil. Um, it's an FA4 fuel efficient lubricant. It's got a lower high temperature, high shear viscosity range. So that gives us the approved, uh, improved uh, fuel economy and it gives us protection at the increased loading. Uh, similarly, on the transmission, we have Shell's Spirex S6GX ME 75W80. Uh, this is a fuel-efficient um, long-life gear oil, so it's also designed for, you know, heavy-duty gearboxes. Uh, so you really need a, a comprehensive lubricant uh, package across the entire truck's powertrain to provide the necessary protection and uh, efficiency uh, that's needed to to kind of go as heavy as we're going. You know. One last thing, you know, I, I just thought about the um, the statement you had made about you know decarbonization in in the larger sense when you're you're talking about you know um, the the effects of the uh, I mean climate control and 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 climate change and as well as you know putting these new technologies in a place where it makes sense you know in a, in a large scale uh, you have EVs that we have an infrastructure that we're working on and. Versus, you know, natural gas, where we have an infrastructure in place, and there seems to be much innovation toward toward that, toward that end as well. And we all know the EVs are coming, and and they're going to be a part of our future. But where does that future lie in with you know the natural gases and alternative fuels? Yeah, I, I think it'll be a mosaic of solutions that that help the sector achieve its uh, emission ab uh, emission abatement targets, right? So diesel will will continue to be a prime energy mover for the next few years. Um, but now you're seeing natural gas, the infrastructure and the maintenance infrastructure coming online. So the security around the supply uh, for these you know these low carbon fuels are improving. So the sector will begin to scale these solutions rapidly. So you'll see natural gas and hydrogen 
take a more prominent role in that transition. I don't think it'll be a situation of one replaces the other. Uh, you know, with, with as soon as hydrogen comes online, I think natural gas will still continue to play a significant role uh, in, in helping the sector get to where it needs to be. Um, if you're looking at it needs to, I mean, if you're considering where it is right now, it needs to uh, realize an 80% uh, emission intensity reduction in the next 30 years. That's a very aggressive target. And then you take into consideration what the global fleet looks like right now. There's a lot of legacy assets, primarily diesel uh, powertrains out there. So what do you do with that? Um, you, you can't just have every fleet owner and operator change over. They don't have the, the capital to do that. So there, it, there is a transition period that, that needs to come into play um, to allow the, the fleet owners and operators to, to change over their fleet gradually. Uh, and that's why you see natural gas uh, will we'll take a more, uh, a more significant role now uh, and even leading into the future. You know, the, the world of uh, decarbonization is definitely a place to uh, a space to watch. We, we've been speaking with Ryan Manthry. He's the project leader for Shell Global Solutions, and he is also the engineer manager for the Starship project. Ryan, it was a pleasure having you on this very special episode of the Road Science. Thanks for having me, Mike. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with transport topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original question. What is the future of ICE? A big thank you to our guests, Shell's Ryan Manthry and Navistar's Michael Grahay for joining us for this special edition of Road Signs. With the announcement of International's S-13 integrated powertrain last year and Shell's Starship 3.0 initiative, there's a bit of enthusiasm for the engine component, and it's also a nod to the realities of the newer innovations, such as electrification. When Grahe announced that the S-13 will be the last internal combustion engine product, he expressed that while the era of EVs is brewing, there is still room for improvement for the old guard that will still bring efficiency to fleets. The work that Manthry and his team at Shell has accomplished with the Starship 3.0 notes that there is a bright future for alternative fuels. Both examples show that with the hype and excitement with the new does not mean the exclusion of what we already have. In fact, we have the chance to improve it. In doing that, the future of ICE will rise as much as the dawn of electrification. You can still listen to the Transport Topics magazine event series Spark by registering at ttnews.com T-T-M-E-S. If you enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to reach out to the Road Signs team on Twitter at TTRoadSigns or reach me at Michael V. Freeze. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. Also, let us know how we're doing by texting TTSurvey to 571-622-0001. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Michael Freeze. Thank you for listening. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more 
and they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.